Hello, thank you for joining us. This is the Gloucester Historical Commission, and we're starting a series of podcasts on uh, historic properties in Gloucester and on issues relating to historic preservation. Um, I'm Mary Ellen LaBianca, the co-chair. I'm Bob Whitmarsh, co-chair. And I'm Bill Remsen, a member of the commission and a, a local historic preservation architect. So our topic for today is the Legion Memorial Building, um, which was a Gloucester's first town hall. It was called the Town House. It was constructed in 1844 at the intersection of Washington Street and Middle Street. And at that time, that was the gateway to the city because the railroad station was there and people would uh, get off of the train and walk down Washington Street in order to get into Gloucester down to the waterfront. And they would come to this beautiful building with white columns and a Joan of Arc statue in front of it. Very, very impressive entrance to the city. Um, now, what, you have some information about who, who built the uh, town hall and I, when? I do. Yes, it was uh, built by William uh, W. Winchester. He was the, um, the builder who constructed it. Um, the property uh, was owned by uh, George H. Rogers, and it was a perfect site for Gloucester's townhouse because it overlooked the town landing, and they had a great vista, and it was a, a ledge location, so they built it on good solid ground. And um, so when they first built this building, it didn't have columns on the side that faced the Joan of Arc statue, and the Joan of Arc statue was not there at, at that time. Um, they had columns on Washington Street. In um, 1920, uh, A. Pyatt Andrew was the commander of the post, and he um, um, uh, offered to take the building for the Legion, and they put $30,000 into it, and they added columns to the side with the Joan of Arc statue. The Joan of Arc statue is Anne Hyatt Huntington, a local sculpturist, and she um, um, uh, did one in Paris, and, uh, and, and that was a, a donated from the American Legion. And now um, they wanted to have a duplicate in Gloucester since she was an architect locally here. And it was just fitting because this, uh, this post was um, post number three. It's one of the first posts of the American Legion. Um, so um, that did come later, and that came when they turned it into the Legion building. The uh, city of Gloucester did not use the building very long as a town hall because um, by You're about... You're getting way ahead of our story. Yeah, okay. Excuse me for interrupting, uh, okay. but uh, let's go back to the building of it. Oh, yes. Because I found out from looking at old documents that it was originally planned by a committee and they took a very long time in the making. For example, the preparation for the lot for the new building began around uh, 1810, way before the building was built. Mm -hmm. And there's a record of them having paid $75 for the gravel work on the lot and to connect uh, the lot to the nearby roadways with gravel for $75. Mm -hmm. Right. And then I saw that when it was built, um, it was built for $3,600, which is hard to believe. And that included the framing, stock, labor, stoneworks, and poles. I don't know what poles are. Any ideas on what the poles might have been? How do you spell that? P-U-L-L-S. I think it had must have had something to do with apparatus for raising stone. Maybe some kind of mechanical device. Right, right. Yeah, a tripod mm -hmm. or a... a 
a horse-operated crane or something. I'll bet, I'll bet uh, one of our listeners knows, and we'll be in touch on that. Um, now, what was it about the frame you were telling us? Where did the um, frame come from? The frame from? was a balloon-constructed frame that was built uh, by the town of uh, Rockport uh, down on Central Wharf, and I would estimate that was in the area down on the waterfront uh, where the restaurants are, um, latitude uh, 43, um, in that general area. And um, so um, I thought it was interesting that the, the site had been prepared so far in advance. Mm -hmm. Um, I was also under the impression, I might be wrong about this, but I was under the impression there was a house there and that the land was leased. Well, that could very well be. And that the it, house it had was, to be it moved. It did belong to somebody previously. Right. Yep, there was a house there. Right. Yeah. Now, the, the frame, how come uh, Gloucester used Rockport's frame? How did that happen? Well, Rockport was independent by this time, and they, um, they started to build the frame, and I don't know why, but they abandoned the idea a building. I, my feeling is they ran out of money to do it. And so now um, this frame is there, and we needed a town hall. We have been meeting in the uh, Universalist Church on Middle Street as a meeting house and uh, for our public meetings and, and anything that had public gatherings. And so that's the reason why they built it, mm -hmm. was a place to gather. And, uh, yeah, the, from what I saw, the first uses of the townhouse were for Sabbath school lessons. Uh, they had temperance lectures there, theatrical performances, uh, museum exhibits, concerts. And at one time, they even had a bowling alley in the town hall. That's what it was for. Then uh, in the 1850s, Ralph Waldo Emerson gave talks in the town hall on transcendentalism. And at that time, the Gloucester Lyceum was involved with the uh, town hall. Uh, they had been founded in 1830, and they hosted talks by uh, literati of the time, such as uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson. They also had talks by Oliver Wendell Holmes, Horace Mann, the educator, and, of course, Henry David Thoreau, who we all know. Um, so, so the first uses of town hall were social and cultural, um, and and you know I I don't know if they actually had town hall meetings in the town hall. I didn't see any record of them. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't have any records of what the town was doing in the yeah. town hall. <laughs> right. In 1858, uh, Wentworth and Sprague rented the hall in order to have quote a series of tragedies, plays, dramas, and comedies of a high moral tone, and in a manner that would reflect credit upon the very best of our dramatic temples. Of course, I'm not sure what a dramatic temple is. Uh, but uh, two years later, there was also um, a leasing of the hall by a different type of entertainment. It was E. Freeman, his White House of Entertainment, E. Freeman turned out to be, according to my research, E. Freeman Dixie, and he leased the hall for his performances as a minstrel, and he provided popular entertainment as a white man performing in blackface, achieved through the use of a Burt Clark and stereotypical costuming. So there's the other side of cultural entertainment for Gloucester. Mm -hmm. <laughs> on the one hand, we have uh, dramas and comedies of a high moral tone, and on the other hand, we have racist entertainment um, involving minstrelry. In, um, in, and, of course, this is before the Civil War. 
1865, the hall was uh, used for temperance lectures. Right. So there's another leg of the tripod of, right. uh, of civic activities. Yep. It was used uh, for education, too, um, by the Gloucester Lyceum. Lyceum. They offered lectures to advance the interest of popular education in this community. This included talks by the anti-slavery movement to go along with the temperance movement. Uh, for example, Henry Ward Beecher, the father of Harriet Beecher Stowe, gave a talk there in uh, 1830 or 1872. Excuse me. Um, and then, of course, the Gloucester Lyceum joined the Sawyer Free Library and became incorporated under a different charter and, and have their premises over on the corner of. Uh, Dale Ave and, and Middle Street. Um, so in the, the history uh, gets a little bit uh, checkered after that because some um, plans to improve the town hall uh, were abandoned in favor of, of building a new town hall in 1866. They decided to have a new town hall at a different site. And at that time, the, the building actually was in jeopardy because it was getting into disrepair. Right. And what they did do is, uh, I think it was uh, 1869, they turned it into the Forbes School. Right, and they did that because the new town hall burned down uh, in, uh, just two years after it was built. So it was completed in 1867 and burned down in 1869. And then they built the present-day city hall on the same site. Mm -hmm. which we have, which was um, dedicated, I guess, in 1870. And there's a wonderful stereopticon uh, picture of uh, the, what the town hall looked like, uh, the new town hall looked like after the fire as just a, a, a burned-out rubble. It looks like a Roman ruin. So um, Gloucester was incorporated as a city in 1873, uh, and the old town hall, as you said, Bob, turns into the Forbes School. Now, do you know if that was a, an elementary school or a... It was a public school. It was an elementary it school. It was an elementary school. And it later, um, the Forbes School, um, uh, I believe it was built uh, where there was a fire station, and now it's condos, and that's opposite um, uh, Mansfield Street. Ah. And that brick building um, probably mm -hmm. was not brick, um, but they, um, they, they made it a brick building. But mm -hmm. I believe that was where the uh, fire department had a location there. Right. Now, uh, it was a school until 1920, and then, as you pointed out, it became American Legion Post Number 3, and it was named, apparently, for Captain Lester S. Wass, W-A-S-S, -S. Yes. and he was a Gloucester Marine. He was killed in action in Vierzy, France, in 1918, and in the Legion Hall is his portrait and photographs of him and his company, and his medals are there that he won. In fact, that Joan of Arc statue that is in front of the building was a gift from France to Gloucester for mm -hmm. Gloucester's help during World War I. And as you pointed out, it was sculpted mm -hmm. by Anna Hyatt Huntington and was installed in 1821. It was a wonderful portrait. Actually, it was a... 1923. Excuse me, 1921. Oh, it was right. 1923? It was supposed to be uh, July 4th, but they changed the date to July 3rd. In fact, they uh, didn't have the statue when they dedicated it. Oh. And there was, um, there was a picture or a painting of mm -hmm. that in the um, KPN uh, Museum. 
Interesting. Well, I found a picture of them installing it with a great big derrick-like thing in which they're hoisting the statue into position on its plinth. Um, and the, the title of the uh, photo is 1921 Installation. Um, there's also a wonderful portrait of, or, of um, Anna Hyatt Huntington uh, done in 1915 by Marion Boyd Allen showing her in the painting she's sculpting a model of the statue right. that was ultimately erected. And the uh, Huss um, was a local fire department Huss by the name of Frank. The model. The no. model. Oh, the horse. The <laughs> yeah, the horse. <laughs> I'm trying to think what horse. <laughs> yeah, the horse. Oh, that, oh. Uh, yes, the horse. Yeah. So she actually um, sculpted that on site using a local horse? They used, she used that as a, oh, as a model. interesting. There's always a question for, for people who come to Gloucester about why the Joan of Arc statue is faced the way it is. Uh-huh. Would either of you like to comment on that? Well, she's looking toward the building, the beautiful building, and is, is, it's maybe a patriotic gesture looking toward the flag. Does that make yeah. any sense? I mean, that's one way to look at it. Another way to look at it is that before the uh, 128 bridge was made, people coming into Gloucester would come across the cut mm-hmm. and come up from, from the harbor ah, that that's way. that's right. <clears throat> and they would see Joan of Arc's from face. From the side and her face inside rather than the rump of the horse. Which is yeah. sort of an interesting way to enter Gloucester yeah. now. I'm not sure it's, a, it's, it's sort of a Gloucester... Uh, <laughs> Sign of <laughs> what? I'm not sure. I'll let you fill in the blanks. Oh, now, this area is called Legion Square. That's right. Yep. Uh, which I thought was kind of interesting. Now, one of the things that uh, intrigued us as members of the Historical Commission was uh, the architectural features of this building. It's, it's very special in its appearance. Uh, I wonder if you could tell us something about... Well, the the building is it, as soon as one looks at the building, you you notice that it's it's a high Greek revival style building. It has all the the standard features of a of a classic Greek revival building in America. Mm-hmm. It has nice fluted um, ionic columns that are two stories high on the porch on the original porch on on the east side, and then on the 1920s addition uh, uh, on the north side by the Joan of Arc statue. It has very simplified uh, what are known as Greek Revival architectural details, the very low pediments, uh, simplified moldings around windows and doors. Uh, The exterior uh, siding, the original siding was flush horizontal boarding, which was very, very uh, typical. Flush boarding tried to to mimic the the way flush stonework would have been in in a Greek building, you know, an antique Greek building, which would have been made of st- marble, of course. Uh, we didn't; nobody built them out of marble around here. It was too expensive, but uh, wood it was close enough. Uh, the trouble with horizontal boarding in wood is that it doesn't really throw water off very well, and most of the building, the original siding has been covered with, with modern wood clapboards, which function much, much better and look pretty similar, actually. So, um, What about the balconies and the cupola on top? Well, the balcony out front is 1920s. Uh, the, the columns and the pediment do continue to match the, the Greek Revival style. I mean, the columns and, and capitals are, are correct architecturally. Uh, the the balcony itself is 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 since Greek temples didn't have second story balconies, it's not exactly Greek revival, but it's close mm-hmm. enough and it's simple. The 
the cupola on the roof is kind of hard to say. It is. It does have Greek Revival details. I'm. Um, I've seen a lot of Greek Revival buildings that don't have it's cupolas. Got a colonial aspect to it. I think it's a. And, I think it's a colonial and revival. Was, and that was added actually, uh, in in the in that renovation that was started right. in 1920. In the 20s, when they and. That cupola is connected to an old uh, air handling system that ventilated the second floor, and that was the the uh, egress for uh, for hot air coming out mm-hmm. of the hall. Mm-hmm. Right, and yes. so they they needed some place for that to go, and that that was a very convenient uh, architectural mm-hmm. feature. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that's original to the building. I think that, as you said, Bob, I think that's a 1920s. Yeah. Do you think that's local granite that's in the foundation? Do we, do we know if, which quarry it came from or anything? I, I do not know what quarry. That's but, another yeah. question for our listeners. Right. If you know where the granite came from that is in the foundation of the Legion Memorial Building, that would be interesting to know. Um, now, on, the, on mm-hmm. the side that's on Middle Street where the uh, added columns are, they used to have a scale there for weighing hay. Oh, interesting. <laughs> um, so this is something that's the... City, I guess, uh, oversaw making sure that uh, uh-huh. the scale was an accurate one. Right. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that's that's shown in some early plans of the area that that uh, mm-hmm. Wang's station. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right. What's involved in trying to maintain a building like that? Any historic building like this is has to have a continuous uh, maintenance plan mm-hmm. and. The, the weather around here, we all know, is pretty harsh, a marine environment with, with freeze-thaw in the winter and, and bad storms and high winds. This, this kind of weather uh, obviously will destroy the surface finishes, the paint, and, and if you don't paint it, the, uh, the wood underneath the paint and the joints tend to open up and you get water infiltration. If you don't if you don't keep up with that, the the rate of decay accelerates, and so it's absolutely critical to to maintain the exterior, what we call the weather envelope, which includes the windows and the doors and and all of these architectural features. So um, I think that the building probably should be repainted at least every ten to to fifteen years, and um, at this point in time, it it also needs. Uh, a fair amount of, of work done on the the uh, the woodwork and the trim and all those other areas that uh, are are suffering at this point. I think there's probably uh, a lot of uh, motivation to try to figure out a way to do that in time for the 400th anniversary of Gloucester, um, because um, it would be nice to have that building looking nice by that time. I'm confident that the city. And uh, anyone that has anything to do with uh, preserving historic structures will step forward and make that happen. Ah, I, I like your confidence. <laughs> well, uh, Gloucester's not the only community that's celebrating the 400th. Mm-hmm. We may be one of the one of the first because we're an early community, but other uh, communities are also, and, and during that decade, will be celebrating their 400th anniversary. Mm-hmm. So the statewide uh, 400th anniversary effort, right. and so there'll be a lot of attention. 400th anniversaries uh, during uh-huh. this period. Right. The, the building itself, it, it's such a visible feature of, of Gloucester, and it, it's well-placed to be a center for the celebration right. and, and all aspects of the celebration. Yeah. 
Now, the people in Glasso love the Legion. I don't think there's anyone that says that this building should just go away. That's um, right. And uh, a lot of important events happen there, from That's the activities right. of the St. Peter's Fiesta mm-hmm. to uh, uh, times when they put on meals uh, uh, during the holidays for people who don't want to be alone during the holidays. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's just a wonderful thing there. And I know personally myself from my younger, very young years, when I was in school, I used to be in the Legion Band, mm-hmm. and we used to rehearse up there. As a matter of fact, I'll be doing a rehearsal tonight up there. Oh, how wonderful. <laughs> for, the, for the Cape Band <laughs> Community Band, uh-huh. which will be having their concert uh, around the third week of um, August of this year up at the uh, Stage Fort Park. Great. That's wonderful. Maybe we should make Stage Fort Park our next topic. Stage Fort Park is a, so. a criti- critically important historic heritage in, in, in Gloucester. And it's very interesting because an archaeological survey is going on in Stage Fort Park as we speak. So let's make that our topic for our next podcast, and mm-hmm. we'll look forward to talking with everybody again. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you.